So that's, that's what they talked about. Now, we're going to go slow in this class, and if we run out of time, we'll just unhook the train and hook it back on next time, okay? So I'm not, I may talk like a Yankee on drugs, but that's more because I'm nervous than anything else, okay? Um, so so we, we all live in this three-part existence, and so the mind, the will, and the emotions are, are what our soul is. And so if you think of a layer cake and you're working your way from the outside, you've got skin, and you've got bones, and you've got brain, and somewhere there, the brain becomes the mind. And the brain stops being meat, and it starts becoming something that scientists can tell you what happens, but they can't tell you why it happens. I can tell you about serotonin and dopamine transmission and receptors, and, but I don't know exactly why that happens because now I'm in the soul. And the soul can't totally be explained by physics, by biology. And the soul is made up of the mind, your thinker, the will, your decider, and emotions, your feeler. So as you're working your way in, at the very bottom of your soul is, is feelings. And so you might go, I don't know why I know that. I don't know why I feel this way, but I just do. And then your mind finds reasons for your heart's confusion. So your mind, so guys explain. And they try to get here because that seems safer. And women who can access their whole brains, they're not brain damaged, can, can go, yeah, but these feelings are real. I mean, they're just as real as your excuses. Okay, you know, you're right. Okay, guys, you're right. Just practicing it, you're right. Because um, normally they are. Um, so mind, will, and emotions. But, but when you get to the very bottom of your soul, you encounter this crazy thing called the heart of man. And the heart of man is like this garden, this, this soil layer between your soul and your spirit. And it's watered from underneath, like the Garden of Eden was watered, by revelation and intuition and communion coming out of your spirit. And so... When we talk about, about being um, uh, aware, being, what is that, being, oh man, my brain is just, you know, when you're meditating and you're mindful, there we go. Um, so mindfulness is to take you down lower into the place where the things of the spirit are bubbling up in your heart. Okay, that's part of what mindfulness is about, is to, is to help you get out of your thinker, out of your feeler, down through your emotions and into the place where revelatory input starts. Because in your spirit, there's conscience, which is sense of right and wrong. There's intuition, which is a sense of knowing that I don't know how I know, but I know. And there's communion, which is a sense of connecting with God in real time at the core of who I am. People who are connected with God are the weirdest people you've ever seen. Jesus said, that the ones of the spirit are like the wind. You don't know where the wind is coming from. You don't know where it's going, but you feel the wind. And he said, so is everyone who's born of the spirit. Because you have a little different motivation, a little different sense of things. You just, it's kind of, an, it's just kind of an interesting life. And so we're going to encourage each other to, to sense what's real about that life, how to engage that life, how to understand that life. And so we wanted to frame it in those three kinds of ways so that we understand that it's part of our makeup. But most of us in this room would say, I fit smack dab in the middle of a psychicose Christian. 
I want reasons. I want to understand. I'm really good with Bible studies. I read lots of books. I can, I can explain lots of things. And stuff that feels like I can't explain it, I don't put a lot of weight on it. It doesn't feel important to me. But you're here because, I don't know why you're here actually, but you're here because, because maybe you're going, I want to know more about that part, the part that, that maybe I should put more weight on. There, there are lots of scriptures that don't make sense to me unless I think of it in this way. And so I want, I want to do that. What does it mean the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit? How do I do that? Or here's a good one, Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Um, if any man is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual are pneumaticos. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, looking to yourself, lest you be tempted. And you go, I was an elder for a lot of years, and I didn't know how to do that. And I thought, if an elder doesn't know how to do that, then we're in trouble because I'm supposed to know how to do that. Yet, when it says, you who are spiritual, I always ask myself, I wonder who they're talking about, not me. And so we're, we're kind of, we're going, ah, oh, there might be something we're, we're kind of missing about this. Um, so <clears throat> when we think about the primary difference between Christians and everybody else in the world, it's not beliefs, it's not intelligence, it's not, the only difference that you can point to categorically is that God has said, I breathe my spirit into you. That's it, that's it. Now, we may have different cultural things, you know, you may say, oh, but we all do this, or we do that, or we do this. Yeah, but anyone could do that. But not anyone can have the spirit inside of them. That, that is the de facto difference. And you look all through scripture, you go, yeah, I mean, that's kind of it. And, and we'll talk about, and so Jesus says, look, um, he, he says, it's better that I go, and I will ask the Father, he'll give you another helper, Paraclete, Paracaleo, to run alongside and call encouragement to you. Another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. Okay, not the spirit of made up stuff, the spirit of truth. Um, so if the word is truth and the spirit is truth, of truth, they ought to get along with each other pretty well, right? Because he, um, the world cannot receive because they do not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. So this is Jesus talking to the disciples. He says, look, I put the Holy Spirit on you, and you're casting out demons. You're doing that stuff, right? You're, you're doing that, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. And he goes, yeah, that's cool, but what's really cool is your names are written in the eternal book of life. Check. But Lord, the demon stories are really cool, right? I want to tell you something. You, know, uh, you, you should John, tell what, you know, and so all of a sudden they're, you know, they're back in the, and, and because the pop and sizzle is pretty exciting, but Jesus is always saying, yeah, but remember the reality. You're in the family. Your names are written in the family book. You don't have to go home at night. You stay with me. Okay? And this Holy Spirit is going to be with you forever. He said, look, he abides with you. He's not in you yet. He's just with you. He's on you. He accompanies you. But there'll come a time when he's in you. And then here's Paul saying, he says, look, if you're led by the Spirit of God, you're sons of God. There's lots of ways to know you're son of God, but that's a, by golly, you can't, because non-sons of God don't have the Spirit. They can be led by other spirits, for sure. 
Any questions so far? I've, I've burned through the last two weeks pretty quickly. <sighs> Take a deep breath. Everybody okay? All right. I put my email over there for all rants and questions and coffee, okay? Uh, and I would be glad to sit down with anybody. And, and, and uh, I have been at this long enough that I know I don't have all the answers, and I know I have good questions that don't have answers. But I can tell you my experience and my thoughts on it, and I'd be glad to, totally glad to do that. Um, I count that as an honor. Okay, so um, I wanted to um, roll the clock back, mostly because some of the things we see in the Old Testament will frame the things we encounter in the New Testament. And this isn't a exhaustive study, might be an exhausting study, um, but here's just some examples. So. Uh, Bezalel, maybe? So he's the one. It's cool that the first time it says the Lord puts the Spirit on someone is so they can do really good carpentry, you know, really good stonemason work. It's like, yeah, blue collar, Holy Spirit, come on. You know, it's like, yep. And so, and so he was filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God filled him. And as he thought about carpentry, he goes, wow, oh, that's a good... And he's, he's having incredible inspiration about things and that inspiration says is directly from God into his mind out through his hands and he's doing stuff okay and would people go wow you're really crazy and mystical no they'd go you're incredibly talented you know there I mean that you know would they say it was the Holy Spirit well maybe not except God said it was now here's the interesting story in Numbers 11 Moses is having Moses has the spirit upon him and Moses is exhausted. Let's just call Moses the pastor, okay? I love the fact this is an elder-led church because the exhaustion can spread to a lot of people, not just the pastor. So Moses is the guy in charge, and he's exhausted. And he's like, God, I'm quitting. Okay, take me now. I'm quitting. There's like a million people, and I'm like it. I'm like the court. And he says, look, he says, and so Moses took of the spirit that was upon himself he placed it upon 70 elders, and they began to prophesy. And you go, so what does that look like? So they're, they're lined up, and he goes, and he's saying something in Hebrew. And they, they start going, whoa, and they begin to speak of the glories of God. And then the weird part is, two people in the camp that he doesn't touch start doing it too. They, like, miss the meeting late for lunch, who knows, but, and, and they start prophesying in the camp, and some young guy was like, Moses, there's two guys prophesying in the camp, and, and Moses says, I wish everybody prophesied. I wish everybody heard God. I wish everybody could exclaim the glories of God. I, I want this thing that's in me to be in everybody, okay? So, so here's 70. Um, so here's, um, the Lord saying how to get Joshua set up. And he says, look, take Joshua, the son of Nun. That doesn't mean virgin birth. Okay, son of Nun was the name. Okay, son of Nun with you, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him. Okay, so what's there? So Joshua already has this measure of God in him, and that's, that's causing him to be wise and a leader and to win battles and to take the land. And, and God says, this is so important. I'm going to kind of work through him to help him to lead, to take the land. 
no man on his own can do it because part of the land is, is really demonic. Most of it is demonically infested. It's like bird flu has hit this whole place and they're, they're <coughs> cleansing the land of bird flu, demonic flu. And he says, you're going to need a measure of my spirit to deal with the spirits there. It's not just a human to human thing. So I'm going to put my spirit on you. But then it says, now Moses lays his hand on him and some new anointing, some new ability to lead all the tribes, to be the leader instead of just a military leader, begins to operate in him. And you go, was that like a download of better software? You know, was that like when iOS 12.7 pops up on my phone and I go, wait, are you going to mess up my favorite apps? You know, yeah, see, you all are not, yeah. Okay, and so here's some download, you know, Holy Spirit 7.0. And so, and so you go, okay, so that's, that's interesting. Now here we have one. I tried to get kind of one of each. Now here, so Saul had, when Saul was anointed king, the spirit came on him. He defies the Holy Spirit. He, does, he goes to seek other spirits. And it says, the spirit of the Lord left Saul. And then it says, and a spirit of terror came upon him. A different spirit, okay? These are outside entities, demonic holy, angelic. So there's a spirit realm populated by spirit beings who don't have bodies but can take on bodies. Um, when Jesus got his new body, he could fish and catch fish. Think about that. So that would be good. Um, and so here it says, the spirit of the Lord left him, then Saul was terrorized by another spirit. So now David, after his sin, you think he's thinking back to Saul and he says, don't, Lord, don't cast me away. Oh, please don't take your spirit from me. He's going, look, I sinned too with, with Bathsheba, this whole deal. I sinned too. Please don't take your spirit from me. So David is like, if you did, I couldn't be David. I couldn't reign. I couldn't because it's through your spirit that I can do this. Okay. So what do we conclude sort of from the Old Testament? Well, the first thing I want you to conclude is every rule I've ever derived about the Holy Spirit Someone would point out how it was broken in some other scripture, and I'd go, shoot. Okay, so <clears throat> we can describe but not define the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is really important. We can describe what we see, what we experience, and what the Word says, but we cannot define the Holy Spirit does this but never does that. We, can, we can't do it. You know, it's like having a wild child, and you try to say, oh, they'd never do that, and then the police call. Okay, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of like that. He's not a tame lion, you know, as, as Aslan. You know, he, he just, but we could say this is what we have seen in Scripture. And so what we have seen in Scripture are, in the Old Testament, selective. Certain people, primarily those kind of people, judges, prophets, craftsmen, and civil rulers, were given an inspiration, a measure of the Spirit. The Spirit was given for certain things, but maybe not other things. It's not like David was a great craftsman, and Beelzebub, whatever his name is, wasn't like a civic ruler. So they were given for a selective person. It was typically task-oriented, and it was probably, except in maybe Joshua and Moses, probably temporary for the accomplishment of certain tasks. And so we see then this Old Testament thing. Now, it might have just popped into one of your heads that the angel says to John the Baptist, 
the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, that is the one who baptizes in the Spirit. Okay, so we're going we're to talk about that again. But so, so in the Old Testament, selective certain people for certain tasks for certain times. Certain people, certain tasks, certain times. There are exceptions, sort of, but maybe it's only because the time lasted their whole life, but it was still for a task, like kings, okay? When David died, the spirit went with David. Does that, does that kind of make sense? Okay, because this is all going to change. Or it's going to, same Holy Spirit, new dispensation of the Holy Spirit. I'm not a dispensationalist, I just use that word, okay? Good, how, how are we doing for time? Oh, I have five minutes. I knew this was going to happen. Let's just get started on this one. So Jesus himself begins to define the Holy Spirit, and he's speaking about what will happen. He's saying, look, this is what's going to happen. This is why it's going to happen. This is who it's going to happen to. This is what the Holy Spirit is like. And so, so he begins to define that. And so I have taken the scriptures and put them in like five kinds of things that he said to help us think that through. And so we'll pick that up next week. But let me just get started with maybe my favorite. So I always have hmm on the other side, which is what do you think this means? Because I have some bullets, but honestly, they're not all that inspired bullets. Okay, so this is John. And he's saying, you must be born again. Truly, truly, so when he says truly twice, that means pay attention, stupid, right? Okay, so whenever he says truly, truly, that's the thing you, you okay? Truly, truly, he, when he says truly, truly, or when he says but, those are the two times you perk up, okay? Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So you go, check. You must be born of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. That probably says volumes about the kingdom of God and us and the whole thing. But there it is. You must be born of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Check. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So everything depends on that. What does that mean? You know, what is that? That is that is it that person, that part of the person, that what? But whatever it is, it's born of the Spirit and it is spirit check. So if we do this whole born again thing, then if I'm born of the Spirit, God says that which is born of the Spirit. If he's meaning the whole man, then he means I'm Spirit. If he means the Spirit part of me that is born with the Spirit indwelling, then that is Spirit, which seems redundant, but there you go. So you go, Okay, I'm just going to hold this one with an open hand over here. I'm going to put this on my work I, on my workbench. I have like 18 projects that aren't done yet. And then I push one on the floor to put another one I'll never finish on there. So this is one of those verses you, you just kind of you put there and you go, I think I'll know more later. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from, where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Whoop. And so you kind of ask questions. So what do you see? And we'll end with just a couple minutes of what do you see in these things? Any thoughts? Any kind of 
No right or wrong comments, just enlightened comments, thoughtful comments, questioning comments. And we talk a lot about the kingdom. And he says there, you don't have a spiritless kingdom. Right. Yeah. Your passport in is the spirit. Whew. Okay. So you think about what that might imply. If you think of everybody in this building today, and you would say, I would think all of them feel like they have a passport in. They feel like they would go to heaven for the most part. If you're in a once saved, always saved place, then for sure, you know. And so you say, okay, so if that's true, then we all have this. Or you could go to the other extreme of Christianity, which says you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. And maybe we don't have that. Pa- we lose our passport. Does that mean we lose the spirit? Does that mean we're not filled with the spirit anymore? And you start to go, oh, that goes on my bench too. Okay. I was thinking that in a different way. Yeah, go ahead. I was thinking that uh, if you can't have a spiritless kingdom, then that, that all, this, all this talk and all this living out that we do, uh, speaking of kingdom work, then it can't be kingdom work. Wow. Yeah, so we talk about we're working in the kingdom, we're drilling wells in the kingdom. We're, it can't be kingdom work unless the spirit is somehow involved in it. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Yeah. Um, James, you know, this is, uh, I love the analogy, the earth makes things kind of easier sometimes, but we blessed it there a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nicodemus, hello, right? Yeah. Well, we're going to there is a whole string of verses that that make up this puzzle. And you go, well, Oh, oh, that helps me. Okay, and so we're going to, this will help me understand that. So we're going to do that week after week. We're going to look at these, and we're going to mix in some experiential. We're going to say, okay, close your eyes. Let's, let's ask God a question. Tell me what you're seeing, sensing, or feeling. No embarrassment. Nobody has to. But we're just going to do that, okay? And we'll make it comfortable for you. We'll make it non-heretical as much as we can um, for us. Any other thoughts yet, Kerry? Are you going to talk about... A slide? Are you going to talk about the mostly in John? The what in John? The, the scriptures you're taking are mostly in John. Mostly in John. Are you going to talk about the mostly in John aspect of that? What was going on with the other? Um, what was going on with the other uh, gospel writers? Well, I pulled a Luke and I pulled a Matthew in it. But um, if you would like to talk about the mostly in Johnness, you're welcome to do that. Um, you see what happens when you bring up a good idea that I'm not prepared to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, ninety-two percent of John is not in the other. 
Right. So John, Luke, Matthew, see, on the Spirit is given. Um, and that's true. And so then, then you as a scholar might draw all sorts of conclusions from that. Some of the conclusions are this was made up late after it's not really the gospel. And then you go, wait, how does that coincide with my understanding of the Bible, the word of God? Oh, shoot. Workbench. Right. Okay. I, I'm not saying Carrie, you would go that way, but a lot. But some people do because it's so different, right? Then you say, well, John was the disciple Jesus loved by his own admission, so maybe he got some inside scoop that the other ones didn't get. He was really filled with the Spirit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's. But all good points. And whenever you ask a a um, Bible professor question, I'll say, I would be glad for you to talk about that. <laughs> that's not a warning. That is an invitation because... No, no, that, we're, we're both engineers. Okay, I used to teach at Vandy some, so I, I, get, I get tool head over here. I mean, this is perfect. Yes, ma'am. Not at all. Okay, so th- yes, this is what we're going to do. Um, I don't know if Mike and Jeannie took an email list. Did they? Okay, we're going to set up a page, a Dropbox. You'll be sent an invitation, and every PowerPoint will be in that Dropbox, as will the audios of every class. So you can look at the audio, get your brother-in-law to look at the audio, and follow along and do whatever, okay? At some points in the class, I'm going to also post like a 10-page handout with a million verses in there. I mean, uh, just a warning. That's not a promise. That is a warning, okay? Because I have been grilled on this subject for at least 40 years. Not that I came to write answers, but I came to answers that feel good to me. I am way too experienced to say I've got it figured out. As soon as you say, Holy Spirit, I think I've got you figured out, Holy Spirit goes, watch this. <laughs> Spirit boy. You're going to find those Lutherans got something you don't have. <laughs> like, yes, they do. Um, any other last, last thoughts? Okay, Lord, we are all learners, and, and you don't... You're not as interested in us having answers as you are as us having thirst and hunger for you and a heart that wants to know you because that is a prayer you'll answer every time. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for that. Okay, I will. So, um, amen. So, I got up. I was praying this morning in bed. Real, I, I usually wake up early and then I, I lay there and think about the day and pray about the day. And this picture came to mind because I was a little nervous. I'm always nervous here because there's so many really smart people here. Um, <clears throat> and the, the story I got was of a little girl who wanted to spend time with her dad, and he was in his home office, and he's talking about giving a raise. Well, do you want a raise? We can bob up, bob, and she's listening. So she comes in, she goes, Daddy, I want a raise. Now, see, every one of us, if you have a tender heart, would go, the father would go, oh, sit on the lap, unplug the phone, and talk. Now, did she have her her doctrine right? 
No, she totally missed what a raise was. But she had a heart that was golden. And God said, I know what you mean when you said that, and I'm going to pull you to my heart, and I'm going to hold you close. And in some ways, stop it. (laughs) The the river comes out through my eyes. I apologize. Um, But in some ways, all of us are like that child where we can only figure stuff out for so long, and then we say, Papa, I just need a raise. I just want to be close to you. Everything else doesn't matter. And he goes, I thought you'd never ask. All this yakking is great, but come here, noogie time. Right? And I just, if we can just see the Father like that, and some of us will really struggle there, but we're going to work on that together. Then at the end of the day, it will be the experiences that we have with God that will change our hearts. And the scripture will just be frosting on the cake for us. And isn't that what the Spirit does? I'm hoping. <laughs> I think so. Okay, bless you. Thank you so much.